This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and well, we've hung lights up the stairway, and by the unusually good smells, you know the timer on Joe's mom's pumpkin pie is about to ding. So now if someone could just throw on a little Michael Bubbly music, this place could be right out of a Hallmark movie. But to make sure we get everything just perfect, today we welcome to the basement celebrity party planner, David Tutera. Yes, that David Tutera. Plus, during our headlines, one firm has a new study out talking about New Year's resolutions. Getting yours in order? Here to discuss the hot off the press results, we welcome Fidelity's Vice President of Retirement and Small Business, Maura Cassidy. Of course, because we want to impress David Dutera with what great hosts we are, we'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline and still save time for some of my remarkably good trivia. And now, two guys who can only handle one party a month these days, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. What's the deal with Doug and all the old guy jokes lately? First it's me, and now it's both of us. It's fine as long as the parties end precisely by 845. You are such... I swear you're 87 years old. When it comes party time. The last two days. So yesterday I got up. Or I'm sorry, today, five o'clock in the morning. The day before that. Let me guess. You got up at five o'clock in the morning because you had to pee. No. 3.30 in the morning the day before. <laughs> Both for work. Both for work. Nice job. Yeah. You, you get a gold star. A lot of podcasting. You're bringing home the Benjamins, my friend. Something. I don't know what's happening, but which is fantastic because David Tutera is here today. For people that don't know who he is, he is the best known party planner in the world, I would say. His guest list ranges from everyone from Jennifer Lopez to the White House to the Queen and the Royal Family. And now us. To little Kim and now the basement. He's gonna help us decorate the basement. But if you're planning a holiday party and you don't want to make it a David Tutera event where it's tons of money, he's going to teach us how to do it for less. How about that? I like it. That's all brought to you by a place that does all of this for less. Magnify Money helps you spend less on the tools you use every day. Why are you pointing at me? Do you see how I did that? I feel... feel 
You use magnify money, young man. I have no idea why I'm pointing. And with my pen, too. And yelling. Yes. And yelling. All at the same time. Uh, If those products you use every day are not best in class, which if you're using them all through your brick and mortar bank, they're not, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Whether it's your checking, your savings account, or those credit cards in your wallet, make sure you're using better products at magnify money. We got a great show today. David Tatera. I love his show, Celebrations. Come on. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Oh, I love headlines like this. These are always my favorite. This one comes to us from Barron's. Ready for this one? You're pointing again, but sure. My favorite headline. I'm not, my hand is open. When I point, my finger is is out like this. Ah, I see. Yes. It's like you're pointing with your palm. It's my spider web's going to come out. Don't time the market, but if you do. Ah, but if you do. <laughs> I love that. Don't time the market, but if you do, here's when the bear might come knocking. Uh-oh. Yet another piece, OG telling us when the bear market's going to come. Isn't it good that somebody knows? So nice that they share it with everybody in advance, too. Well, thanks to Andrea Rickier, who wrote this from MarketWatch. Andrea writes, How should investors think about the possible end of the decade-long bull market? We could probably answer that. How do you think investors should think about the possible end of the decade-long market, OG? It's another brick in the wall. I don't know. (laughs) That it's going to happen? (laughs) that the end of the decade will appear. Yes. I hate Shortly. to. This will end and someday we will all die. Spoiler. <laughs> hate wow. to say it. That turned turned in a hurry. <laughs> it did. Got very morbid. With the U.S. economic expansion now in a record 11th year, it's a fair question. I don't know that it is a fair question. It's an obvious question. A new analysis from BCA Research, she writes, is somewhat reassuring. Stocks can still defy elevated multiples, the Montreal-based firm notes. But there's one big caveat. Any lurch upward for stocks might be the last gasp before a significant downturn. It might be the last gasp. Or, you know what else, OG? Nothing. It might not be the last gasp. It It might be, though, so. I think it might be. While U.S. stocks are expensive, the piece says, over the past few decades... False. Over the past few decades, there have only been two periods in which price-earnings ratios were this high. It doesn't mean conditions are too frothy. So what she says is U.S. stocks are expensive, but it doesn't mean they're expensive. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. I love this piece. BCA research suggests other assets are just as pricey. And their analysis of global speculation is measured. Margin debt or the funds investors borrow in order to make trades is at its lowest share of U.S. market capitalization since June 2005. Quote, these are hardly signs of irrational exuberance, the firm notes. Still, BCA says bear markets and recessions travel together. Of course they do, but we're not in a bear market. Or a recession. For a bear market, a 20% decline in stock prices to take place. Which happened. Less than a year ago. There must be a, quote, significant long-lasting decline in earnings. And that likely means a recession, which BCA believes will happen, quote, in the next 24 months or so. But didn't happen the last time it went down 20%? We have a long list of market prognosticators. That's easy, huh? Yes, exactly. Yes, market people, market prognosticators 
who have said for the past what? Bonus points if you can spell it. <laughs> five have passed. P-R-Agnosticator. P-E-O-P-L-E. People. People. Market, market progr- prognosticators. P-E-O-P-L-E. But, the, uh, but there's been a long line of people. The last, this show's been on for just over eight years. We've been doing people calling the end of the market for eight years. And eventually it will be right. Except it won't be. Because it'll be the end of that whatever period. I was just thinking the other day, we're getting close to Christmas time, and I was thinking about last year at this time, how just almost day after day, it felt like we were getting our face kicked in. The whole like Santa Claus rally didn't happen. It went from September, high watermark, everybody's happy, to Christmas Eve, down 19.9%. Intraday, down 20, by the way. So let's call it a bear market just for that day. And then how many of us were thinking on Christmas morning, you know, I have 20% less money today than I did three months ago. I'm going big. I'm going all in. (laughs) Now would be the time. I should, yeah, first thing tomorrow, I should see if about getting a loan from the bank. I should get me one of the margin loans. That'll pay off. Nobody thought that. And it's such a, such as the story, I guess, of trying to do market timing. And I might also add that none of this actually matters. If your financial planning goals are something that's happening in the next 24 months, the money shouldn't be in the market anyway. If it's happening in the next 36 months, shouldn't be in the market anyway. So you shouldn't have to worry about that. If your financial planning goals are 30 years from now, like many of us have retirement or college education goals that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years away. And I would also submit to you that if you're not 90 already, you probably have a retirement goal that is in your 90s. So therefore, you have a 40 or 50. Some of us at the table are in the high 30s of years left. Easy. Of retirement goals to get to 90. But it's still a super, super, super long time. So who gives a flying hello over, you know, what happens over the next 24 months or if it doesn't? It's so frustrating. If you put your money in the place where it needs to be, where it should be, based on your goals, beginning with the end of mine, you don't have to worry about this it doesn't matter. recession thing. Let it come, by the way. P.S. Bring it. I, you know, isn't that also funny? Like everybody who says that and then it actually happens. You're like, yeah, during the bear market, I've been totally like back the truck up. I'm, I'm going big. Like, well, it happened 11 months ago. What'd you do then? Well, not that time, but the next one, <laughs> I'm definitely going all in. My my clients, back in the day, my clients who told me they were the least risk adverse were always the most risk adverse. We're always the one who would call me on day two of a downturn and go, okay. Have you seen what's happening? It's down 2% since yesterday. We got to we gotta do something. Yes. Yeah, we, I did it. We, we do have to do something. We built a solid financial plan <laughs> six months ago, and we're not going to change it. Based on an investment policy statement that meets your goals. Because somebody tweeted. (laughs) Did you tweet? Because I smell something. Exactly. (laughs) And in our second headline, as we head into the roaring 20s, Fidelity Investments is a new study focusing on what you're hoping to achieve. And here to talk about it on Dad Shortwave Radio, it's our new friend, Maura Cassidy. Maura, how are you? 
I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. You guys are really ahead of the curve looking at 2020 already. I didn't expect us to talk about this, you know, for maybe three or four weeks. Oh, yeah. We like to get ahead of every curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive in. Tell me about the financial resolution study. What were you hoping to achieve? What were you hoping to find? Well, we like to use it to find out what's on the minds of our investors and customers and just Americans in general. So we really ask them questions about their financial resolutions to try and figure that out. Like, what's the sentiment out there? So were there any big surprises? Well, um, I'll say one of the things that was not surprising first. So the top three financial resolutions have been pretty consistent over the years, and that's save more, pay down debt, and spend less. So those all sound like great resolutions. And they've consistently been in the top three since we started running this survey. We've changed the protocols about the survey, but basically those are still the three that are on the top. And uh, what are the percentages for those, Maura? How many people wish they'd save more? Sure. So 53% of the respondents said that they wanted to save more. Awesome. 51% said they wanted to pay down debt. And 35% said they wanted to spend less. It's funny because the converse of that, I mean, I love that 35% of people want to spend less money, but that means 65% of people are like, no, I'm okay with spending the same or more. Like, good for me. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, there is definitely some people that are already doing a good job. So that may not have to be one of their resolutions. You also have here the top financial concerns as I read the study for 2020. The biggest one I I bet it was no surprise to you. 51% of people, uh, they're worried that there might be an unexpected expense. Right. And that that also is a great indicator of saving more because they think that they may have an unexpected expense. They need to save more and, and build up those emergency funds. And so that speaks to having a little more cash put away for those unexpected expenses. So I think that's a good one to have on the list. I want to talk about some takeaways here. So if that's number one, I want to save more money and emergency funds, number one, how do you look at that, Maura? I mean, the average person listening to this, what's a good strategy for putting that together? Right. Well, people should look at small steps, not feel like, oh, I've got to save you know, $5,000 tomorrow. That isn't really the way we're looking at it, but set up some small steps, start saving. And if you are saving, maybe save 1% more. So Each week, put away a little extra from your paycheck into that emergency expense. And then when that's built up and you can cover several months of expenses, look to the next thing that you want to put the money towards. Like instead of, uh, what's that thing mom says, uh, eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right, exactly. (laughs) If you look at it too big, then you're never going to feel like you can accomplish it. But if you look at it in those smaller bites, it will be much easier to take You also looked back at 2019 and some financial mistakes and setbacks. What were some of the biggest mistakes people said they made this year that they don't want to replicate? Right. Some of the biggest were 28% said they took on debt or added to existing debt. That's kind of contra to what we feel were the motivators for people to make a financial resolution because 68% of the people said they wanted to live a debt-free life. So that's a mistake to put on more debt or add to your existing debt if that you know goal is to not have debt. And one big driver that I see here, 36% of people said dining out too much was a problem for them. Right. So, you know, that's just about you can evaluate that and say, 
okay, should I dine out less or should I just go to maybe a less expensive restaurant? Maybe even just, you know, have more people over to your house for more simpler meals and have the experience of getting together with people, which might be the driver for dining out and still have that like community and, and friendship going on, but maybe have them over at your house. That's a great idea, especially now around the holidays. And it's funny, there's a book that I read called Never Eat Alone. I don't know if you've read that book. Keith Ferrazzi, who wrote that, talks about even if you have folding chairs in your living room and a potluck, like there's just something communal about having people over at your house versus the big ticket dinner out. Plus, I think I feel better, you know? I don't know, all that restaurant right. food. Whenever I travel, you probably travel all the time, Mara. I tra- whenever I travel and I eat at restaurants, I feel horrible afterwards. Right. It's, you definitely have to watch yourself. It's easy to, to eat things that maybe don't add to the waistline, which is another resolution. <laughs> right. What's the big takeaway here? If, if somebody reads your study out today, what's the thing that we should maybe focus on for 2020 most? Sure. Well, we asked those people who said they were making financial resolutions and who were able to keep them, what were their secrets to success? And 51 said, make it a clear and specific goal. So be really specific, you know, have a goal. I want to save 5,000 this year on top of my normal, you know, savings or whatever. And then 48% said have realistic and easy to maintain goals. So again, this speaks to sort of that smaller step that's realistic. Like each paycheck, you're going to put $10, $50, whatever it takes. Just have it be realistic for your own budget. And then the small step, 41% recommended small steps. So make it easy, make it doable, and you can continue it. Those are some really great points from people who actually were able to keep their financial resolutions. I absolutely love those. And I especially like the milestones because back when I was a financial advisor, uh, setting these small milestones that you can, you know, these 90 day things so much easier than getting the year long goal than looking way down the, what, you know, way down the path, you look a year away, you, you might not, you might not achieve any of that. But if you give yourself 30, 60, 90 days in smaller bites, you're probably going to going to do it. I know you guys have a lot of resources along with this at Fidelity. Where can people find this Maura? Well, the best place to go is to our website, fidelity.com slash resolution. You'll see all the results from the study and you'll see some other helpful links to information on our site that might also inspire you. That's awesome. And I love being inspired going into a new decade, into the roaring 20s. Maura Cassidy, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and talking about 2020. Happy holidays. You too. Take care. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to Maura for calling in to, to the shortwave radio. Good news there, huh? OG people want to save more in the new decade. Cause everybody's getting older I'm going, Oh crap. Why do you keep looking at me like that? I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> getting older too. Yeah. Wait, what? I also think it's a function maybe of, Hey, the market's gone up for 10 straight years and I feel like maybe I got left behind. So maybe I should do some of this saving and investing stuff. Yeah. I think that's that's lesson number one. You can't plant a tree 10 years ago, as OG says. So when do you plant one? 20 years ago. Correct. Get in your time machine and go backward. And the other lesson is betting that the next bear market's coming. You're probably right. There is no 
wedding planner, better known on earth than David Tutera. He has done some of the most glamorous weddings of all time. Of course, he's also done many of the greatest celebrations of all time. You'll know David from shows like My Fair Wedding and Celebrations with David Tutera. The guy's been all over the media. You've seen him everywhere. He has done parties for people like Elton John, as I mentioned before. EJ. That's he's, what I call him. He's, he's done parties at not only the White House, but for British and other uh, nations royalty. He has uh, Little Kim, Jennifer Lopez, uh, you name it. David Tutera has probably done a party for them. But you know what? Today, he's decorating the basement. I'm sure this is his favorite favorite task of all let's say hello to the man who's going to help us do more with less david tutera and on my dad shortwave it's the man who's all about celebration i think he's the king of celebrations david tutera joins us how are you man I'm doing great, and that's a big setup for a big disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's got to be great having a career, David, where whenever people hear your name, they get a big smile on their face because they know you're bringing the fun. Thank you. You know, it took many, many years to get to that place that you just said, but it is something that I value, and I'm very responsible in wanting to make sure people can celebrate and also have an enormous amount of time putting it together, which is important. Well, I want to ask you a lot about holiday parties. That's why we asked you to be on. You were so nice to join us. But first, I want to talk about your career because there's a lot of people who want to be you. So talking about all those years, how did you get your start, David? Was it you were attracted to the industry? You just like being around parties? How did it begin? Actually, neither of the two. It was an accident. I was given an opportunity to do a kid's bar mitzvah And it was only because I had opened up a little balloon shop outside of New York City. And when the woman had come into my store, she said, can you decorate my kids' bar mitzvah like your window display? And I thought, huh? I don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) I didn't know what a bar mitzvah was, and I didn't know people spent money on parties. But I said yes, because it intrigued me. Also, because being 19, what do you know about running a business? I took that responsibility, I took that job, and I created a really cool party. And that was my entry into the world of celebrations. And it just continued to grow and, you know, over a slow period of time. But it grew into an industry for me and a business for me that became quite successful. Well, that's so exciting. But was there any, did you have to take any classes? I mean, I I would imagine going from a balloon shop to owning all the different uh, things that you do now would be quite quite a change over the years. Yeah, I wish that I had had an opportunity to be schooled and taken classes and been trained. My experience, my education was literally the mistakes that I made over a course of 10 years the first 10 years of my business. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm so dedicated now, you know, after 30 plus years of being in the industry, that I try to teach people the things that I did not know when I had gotten into the industry or into the, into this career. And it's a really challenging business. I mean, we're always on a fast pace. We're always up against a, a ticking clock. We have budgets that we have to work really close on. Many people that are in the business 
don't necessarily have a creative approach to it and are more organized versus creative. I happen to be grateful that I can do both of those equations, both sides of, of planning and designing. But boy, I, I got to tell you, I, I would have welcomed anyone that would have sat down with me when I was 19, at least 19 to 30, where they could have told me how to do a better job and what I could be doing differently. I'm going to ask you more about that later because I know you have the the David Tutera experience coming up where you're yeah. teaching people to do that. But we asked you here today specifically to kick off holiday party week for us. And when I think holiday parties, I would think that David Tutera would throw like a Gadsby style party or at least one on the magnitude of that. Do you guys do holiday parties at your house? Well, I'm going to disappoint everybody right now <laughs> because I throw parties every day almost for a living conceptually and then for my clients, you know, literally. We keep it really low-key. I will tell you the one thing that we do for holidays is when I say low-key, my low-key may be quite differently than what other people expect. So I'll maybe explain it a little bit more in detail. We decorate the house out of control. So we have, I think last year, we had 16 Christmas trees in the house. Holy moly. Um, I know the fireplaces are all themed out. The rooms really create an environment that people want to be part of. So when we have a holiday get-together, Christmas get-together, we're doing these smaller gatherings, like cocktail parties for some of our friends, and children come over on, on a Sunday for more of a family gathering with friends that have children. And we keep it very fast-paced because what I mean by that is the holidays, people have no time. And, you know, we'll do a dessert party for an afternoon for two hours, or we'll do a dinner party for a two-hour night with our friends who are adults. But it's the environment, the candles, the trees, the centerpieces on the dining table. You know, the overall ambiance is so festive that it makes people really know that they want to come back each year for when we throw something together for the holidays. Well, if you don't mind, David, let's dive into, a, let's say, a frugal party. We want it to be fantastic, but we don't want it to break the bank this holiday season. So if we could walk by through that step-by-step, step, I guess if we start big picture, in which areas should we splurge and where should we cut back? Well, walk yourself through it like you're arriving to your to someone's home. So you want to have something on the front door to greet people. And that could be a wreath, which is traditional, or it could be an ornament or a series of decor that maybe the kids made. And that's just the arrival into the house. That could be something that a project is done by the family. It could be leftover random ornaments or decorations that don't make sense that you can turn it into one item. When you walk into the person's home, I think it's really nice to have scented candles or scented potpourri that's burning over the stove so the house smells like Christmas. That doesn't cost anything. That's just experiencing one of the five senses when you walk into someone's home. And then choose on where you want your party to be, meaning do you want it to be in your dining room and you're going to sit and have dinner? Do you want it to be in your family room and you want to do a cocktail party? Or do you want to have a dessert party and have it be in the kitchen? You know, if you spread it out too much, then you have to spend too much money to make every area feel special. If you want a concentrated area, which could be just lots of candy and glass jars or ornaments stacked in, you know, wonderful containers, some faux candles and some faux flowers, which are less expensive than real. There's ways to make moments special without having to indulge in spending so much money. Also, come up with a very solid color scheme. I think monochromatic, to me, like if it's all gold or all silver or all red, 
is all also more bang for your buck without having to buy too much of, of multiple things. I love that. Then you're not trying to be everything to everybody either. You're looking just for gold. Anything that's gold fits. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Now, let's step back even from the party. The invitation to the party, is there anything that we do there or is that an area where we can really cut back? Well, I'm super traditional when it comes to inviting someone to someone's party. I'm not a big email invite person. I like to do something very simple. There's plenty of online sites that are very inexpensive to do one single panel card that says, you know, join me for the holidays or cheers to the New Year's or let's be sweet for, for Santa. I mean, there's so many things that you can do for a very inexpensive cost. Often the postage, postage can cost more than a single panel card, right. but send it out. It's a great way to show people that you really care when they open up the mail and they get a invitation, which seems archaic, but it's really a kind way to invite people. I think it's more of a statement today than it even was 10 years ago, David. I mean, 10 years ago. Yeah, I got a letter 10 years ago. I got 50 letters. Today I get a letter. Oh my God, I got a letter. Exactly. It's a big deal when you get it. You feel like you feel special. Is is there anything else about the atmosphere? We talked about decor. What do you think about music playing or atmosphere in general? Is there something that I'm creating beyond just the decorations? Yeah, it is. And to me, any successful party is really about the energy of who's hosting the party. So, you know, your host shouldn't be stuck in the kitchen. They shouldn't look frantic and freaked out that they're not getting done on time. Um, they need to become a guest at their own party. That sort of dials down the anxiety of how guests can perceive it to be based upon who's hosting it. You know, music is great in the background. I don't like it to be too loud to lessen the ability to talk to friends. If it's a Christmas party, I don't need to hear Christmas music for two hours. I think it's great (laughs) to mix in non-holiday with holiday music and, you know, dimming the lights a little bit and creating an ambiance. I mean, ambiances are free. You know, you can create a wonderful environment and not spend a lot and have a more successful party than someone that gets tons of flowers and has a terrible vibe in the space. It's all about what you are putting out. Well, in talking about the vibe, I know I've been to some parties where they had entertainment or games planned, and it was a lot of fun. And other times I've been to parties where they had entertainment or games planned, and it totally killed the party. Uh, Where do you stand on entertainment with maybe a group of 10 or 20 people? Um, I'm not a game person because I think it forces people to do things that they may be uncomfortable to do. And Mm. I don't want to be set up for something when I'm going to a party that I want to relax. When it comes to entertainment, I love entertainment. I think for 10 or 20 people, it's probably not the right scenario. Above 20 guests is when entertainment makes more sense to me because then you feel like you can enjoy the environment of people and still be connected to the entertainment without having to stop the party. When you've got 10 or 20 people, it stops the party. I would think, and I want to transition from our frugal party to some of these huge weddings and huge events you've done, these huge celebrations you put on, like we've seen in your TV shows. You always seem to have a surprise or two up your sleeve when you're working with these celebrities. I do. To me, it's important to make sure that you're not laying out all your cards. I mean, it's, it is like playing poker. I mean, you don't know what the card's going to turn over. And to me, when guests arrive to any party I'm putting together for anyone, celebrity or non, I want them to feel like they're not aware of what's going to happen next. They leave going, oh my gosh, what, what did David do? He created this experience, then he switched it up, and then he changed it again. And <laughs> you can do that with entertainment. You visually can do it with decor, 
But with entertainment, it changes every element of the energy and the vibe that people are experiencing. I love it. What about parting? Do you send people home with a little gift, a little thank you, or is the party itself a thank you? You answered your own question. I think it's wonderful when someone gives something not necessary, and sometimes the gifts that are given as a favor for a departure are sometimes just done because it's on the checklist to do. You can save energy and money by just giving them a great party without having to give them something to remember the party by. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And circling back for a second, because I forgot to talk about actual food. Are there foods that are a no-no at a Christmas or a holiday party, David? No, I wouldn't. I would think more about what your options are than as opposed to what not to have. Okay. Um, be aware of your guests. Be aware of the style that you may know your friends and family for eating. Don't try to be a foodie in the kitchen if you're planning on doing it yourself because it takes away too much of the time from your guests. I just think you want to keep it very safe, which is a word that most people don't like to hear me use. But food is, should always be safe when you're having a party. It's not the place to think outside the four walls. If you want something unique, don't go to a restaurant. I also want to circle back to one other thing, which is the idea you talked about with your own parties, that it doesn't have to be this huge thing that sometimes less is more. I really like the idea of a shorter party versus a long one. Yes. I always have said you always want your guests to leave wanting more. I'm sure you've been to a party. I know I've been to too many that you're going, oh, my God, when when can I when can I leave? (laughs) When's the right time to exit the house? It's always wonderful when it kind of wraps up on its own, but if it's magically done, it's being wrapped up because the party host is aware that, okay, let's move this on so when I send out that invitation again in a year, they're going to want to come back as opposed to why isn't this never ended. Yeah, it's almost like binging Netflix, like binging one of your shows, right? They get done with one, they want to watch the next one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I want to ask you about the experience because I know that you are very passionate about helping people get some of the education that you didn't have. Is the, the experience yeah. for this year, is it still open? Can people get in? It is. We only have a few slots open. I'm real excited about this year as I've been the past four years. It's March 29th, 30th, and 31st in Orlando, Florida at the Four Seasons. And we do have a couple spots open. It is for people that are in the business for 30 years or more or people entering it for the first time in their life or a second or third career and want to learn so much from myself and the other 12 educators that I've personally selected and three nights of incredible events that I've designed and produced that they can, they can be guests at. Like I said, I, I wish I had this experience to be part of, and now I know I can give it to people that want to expand their careers and their knowledge and their creativity. And it, it's pretty remarkable how it has literally changed people's perspective of their personal life as well as the focus on their professional life. That's what, when I was reading the reviews, uh, prepping for our time together today, just the reviews of the experience the last three years, when people use terms like mind-blowing and and surround sound, it's amazing how transformative it seems like this has been the first three years. You have to be very pleased with that. I am. I'm very, very proud of it because it was a tiny idea. I thought, gosh, what could I wish to have done differently for my career? And here I am now giving the opportunity for people to learn from my mistakes, from my failures, from my successes, and how we all can share it together. Because I think there's so many industries that all have a bragging mechanism where people love to talk about how amazing they are and how successful they've became. 
But there's an uphill battle for everyone. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know what that journey has been for people, how are other people going to take a journey to become successful? And success is very different for different people. I mean, you know, everyone has a different answer when it comes to what is success. Yeah, we all need coaches and a roadmap. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people listening, I'd say most of the people listening to, to you and I right now are, are not in your business. And for them, I want to talk about you and your bridal line. What's up with the bridal line? I can't, you know, when I thought you've done everything, you decide, you know what, I'm going to have a bridal line now because I've got, I've got four minutes left between all my other stuff. I got to fill it. Oh my gosh. I'm excited about it because, you know, my hands are on this, my mind and my 30 years of being in the wedding business. I wanted to develop and create a line that is custom designed by myself. And it's romantic, it's elegant, it's unique. It's, to me, an unexpected representation of bridal fashion. And I always want to do something that is different for the consumer. I know, it's like, how much more can I possibly decide to, to take on? But I take things on that make a difference. I take things on that I feel there's a missing gap for a consumer. And I always want to make sure that whatever I'm creating, designing, or developing can be seen as a legacy to, you know, the David Jeter brand and also you know, the ability for people to think outside the box of expected. And the dresses are unexpected. And I, like I said, they're elegant and glamorous. And that's, to me, what women deserve to have when they walk down the aisle on their wedding day. By the way, if you're walking your dog or you're on your commute, we'll have the links uh, for everything David and I talked about today on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But if you're at your computer, you can just head to davidtutera.com. David, thanks a ton for helping us make this holiday season better. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Enjoy every moment of it with family and friends. And thank you for having me part of your show. Ah, hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to the most festive part of this show, my trivia. In keeping with all this holiday spirit David Tutera brought us, Joe's mom has cranked up the Hallmark Channel. I gotta admit, I tried to ignore it at first, but it turns out that Bobby's dog has gone missing, and Dawn is the only one available to help. But... When her evil sister, who's in love with Bobby, finds out, she lies to Dawn's future mother-in-law's best friend about where the girl's really at. It's awful. It's heartbreaking. Worse yet, after five of these movies, I've realized that Dawn in this movie is Jackie in the last one I just watched. Which brings us to this trivia question. Which actor has starred in the most Hallmark films? I'll have your answer right after this. Let's be serious for a minute, folks. What are the odds you're going to win that lottery and millions of dollars? You know the truth, but time and again, you lay your hard-earned money out for a ticket. Why put yourself through that? What if there were a better way? Well, here at Stacking Benjamins Industries, we don't think we know there's a better way. We present today a game sure to surprise and delight the inner you. We call it Throwing Your Money Away. Yeah, I was at the track the other night, and this fine little lady come up, and she said, 50-50 raffle? Well, I said, no thank you, ma'am, because I just got done and already threw $20 right in the trash. Nothing I like better than getting my paycheck and throwing most of it right away. Feels good. I was buying milk at the Quickie Mart yesterday, and they said the lottery was up to $123 billion. 
Ugh, all that hope and then so much regret later. I knew what I'd do. Well, I just stepped outside and threw $50 into the trash. It felt amazing. Yes, you too could join millions of Americans throwing money away every day. Then, spend days and sometimes weeks hoping that lottery or raffle pays off. And I could buy a new bass boat, take the whole family to Six Flags, maybe get a four-wheeler with Dale Earnhardt's logo on it. Why fill your days building list after list of items you'll never win when you can just throw your money away? And if you act now, we'll throw in a free no-obligation lighter so you can upgrade your experience and just burn your cash. I whipped out my free no-obligation lighter yesterday and torched $72 from my wallet. No lottery for me. Thanks, SB Industries. That was fun and regret-free. Throwing your money away. Available now wherever there's a trash can, toilet, or garbage disposal. Welcome back, rom-com addicts. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and heck, I'm one of you. And, uh, you know, this is the best part of the show that it needs no lights or tinsel. It just needs my trivia. So would you believe what just happened in the movie? First, the main character, Becky, had a great life, and then she got fired from her job as a stockbroker. But, you know, it turns out what she really needed for the holiday season was to go home to her family and have a good family dinner. And it's all better now. I wonder what the next movie will be about. Oh, probably something completely different. But first, let's get back to your trivia question. Before the break, I asked this question. Which actor has starred in the most Hallmark films? The answer? Well, if you guessed Candice Bure, Candice Bure, uh, you may uh, know her as the full house daughter, DJ Tanner. Anyway, it's, it's that woman. You'd be correct. Candice has starred in a whopping 18 Lifetime movies to date. But check back next month, and that number's probably going to reach a little higher. See ya! You guessed Aunt Becky, but it turns out that uh, maybe wearing an orange jumpsuit held her. Well, it wouldn't have held her back yet, but I think it might in the future. Yeah, for a few years anyway. Yeah, it's funny, though, that it's two Full House members doing a lot of those. Really uh, catapulted their careers, that show, huh? Into all those Hallmark movies? You know what a cash cow does? Well, you, look, you got Len Penzo every single time. Len's, t- <laughs> Len's telling everybody he Production knows. Production value is at least 25000 It is. It is. That have, includes the staff. Have you watched them? No. How can you rip it if you don't watch it? Because it's a Hallmark movie. Hello. I'll go to bed for the Hallmark movies. I got to tell you, every time I go to my parents' house, my dad has the Hallmark movie on, and he's partway through, and I sit down, and I realize, like two commercial breaks later that I'm totally sucked in and I want to see if this time something happens that's different than the last 47 movies. Like I've seen this movie. No, you haven't. It just came out. No, no. I'm pretty sure I've seen this one. No, no, no. This one happens in a different little town that looks like Franklin, Tennessee. Totally. (laughs) Totally do. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, OG. Mine are old cartoons, like 
Oh, Frosty the Snowman. Fantastic. Little Charlie Brown Christmas. They had one of those on ABC last Sunday, and I totally missed it. Had it on yesterday. Yeah, if there's only a device that they hmm. would create to watch those on demand, watch those anytime you want. That'd be so much, Crazy. so much better. Uh, it's actually your loved ones in your time, but watching those with your loved ones. Yeah, my daughter wasn't into them. Really? Yeah, she's like, yeah, I don't. That's crazy. It's okay. She'll come around. Or she will get no presents. <laughs> you will sit here and watch these. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. And today we're throwing out the lifeline to Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Doug. Chris in New Jersey here. I've got a question for the crew, and you might want to grab the soapbox for OG because it's about bonds. Anyway, I'm trying to keep the end in mind and focus on my glide path. So based on my expenses, I'm confident that I can live off of 3.5% of my nest egg going forward. Now, I know personal finance is personal, but that number ties in nicely with a fairly conservative 3.5% withdrawal rate. Right now, even in this low interest rate environment, I could buy state municipal bonds that have a federally tax-free yield to maturity of 5.5%. The other California bonds, but no matter how poorly a state is run, I believe the federal government essentially guarantees that a state will not become insolvent. If California does somehow go bankrupt, the federal government steps in and backs up the state loans, right? So if I can get 5.5% tax-free return on, quote, risky, high-yield state bonds, and a 3.5% withdrawal is enough to cover my expenses going forward, Shouldn't that 2% spread be enough to cover inflation and prevent me from ever dipping into my principal? What am I missing here? Thanks for the question, Chris. Let's help him along his glide path, OG. He needs 3.5%. He can get it with municipal bonds, which are people that don't know what those are. That's a loan to a city. You loan money to a municipality. Maybe it's a road program or sewers or football stadium. Football stadium could be. Uh, could be a bunch of different projects, and uh, often those are tax-free on either a state level or a state and federal level. Mm-hmm. But he's not looking at them for the tax break. He's looking at these because they're low risk. So what do you think? Well, I think he's looking at it as from the perspective of it's almost guaranteed 5.5% because it's guaranteed by the feds. So why not just take it? And this is a really seductive trap, I think, to get into because... It does sound, when you draw it up on paper, like the easiest solution ever. Like, why would I not take? I need 3.5% out. I'm going to assume inflation is 2%. So as long as I put my 2% back in, then I've got my 5.5%. It's zero cost. You know, it's completely tax-free. And I'm never not going to get it, except for when you do not get it. And what I mean by that is around the default rate, which maybe an issue, but I would agree that if it's a insured one from the feds, you probably don't have to worry about it. What I would more worry about is what happens if interest rates are lower than they are in the future? Or what if inflation is higher than it is in the future? The reason you have equities in your portfolio for a long period of time, and I say, of course, into and throughout retirement for the vast majority of your assets, is because of periods of time like we're in right now. If you would have invested your portfolio and a basket of stocks at the beginning of this year, despite the fact that it was down 20% in the fourth quarter of last year, you're up 20% for the year, give or take. Now that's way above average. We 
would hope to get seven or eight or maybe nine over a long period of time. But this year you got 20-ish. So if you're up 20, that gives you a lot of leeway for when you have a down year or if inflation is skyrocketing or if your expenses go out of control. There's a lot of different outcomes that can happen here. He sounds like a pretty young fella. So probably one of the things that uh, that I would want to have a conversation around is how solid is that 3.5% number? You know, if that 3.5% number is, yeah, I'm great because I'm single. I don't have any kids. I'm 27 and I can live on 1500 bucks a month. That's awesome. But what does it look like when you have three kids and you've got college and that sort of stuff? So I think where equities in your investment portfolio play out is it gives you additional flexibility to absorb some of those potential pitfalls that could happen down the line, which may not happen. You know, I remember talking to somebody years ago, I did a, a dinner workshop and he came up afterward and said almost the same thing. Hey, I've got $6 million. It's all in municipal bonds. I get 6% a year. I spend, you know, that's 360 grand. I spend 250 of it. I take the other 110,000 and buy more municipal bonds. What's wrong with the strategy? And we talked a little bit about, well, what happens if you don't get 6% anymore? What happens if inflation is 6% this year? But I think the other side of it is also important. If you're sitting there and you're one of these people that have done a really great job or, or you worked in a career and you've, you're, you know, you're at the spot where you're like, yeah, I'm 32 and I got 10 million bucks because I played football or I was a trader at Goldman Sachs and got a bonus and I was, I was good enough or whatever it is. Why would you not want to then also use that pedestal that you find yourself on right now for whatever good can happen down the line? You know, think about, we talk about like doubling and that sort of thing. And yeah, maybe you've got enough money to live on 80 grand a year the rest of your life and that's a comfortable lifestyle and you're good to go and all's right in the world. Perfectly fine. Yeah, you can get by on whatever percent rate of return and zero it out when you turn 100 and go, who cares if I leave anything? What would happen if you, God forbid, actually got market returns on that money and still live that way? And you happen to be 32. You're like, oh, well, now I have $150 million when I'm 75. Maybe that's something that could be worth exploring as well, where you can build a children's hospital or something. You know, So there's a lot of, a lot of other things that come out of being fully invested versus just the simplicity of, I'm good with my lifestyle as it sits right now. And that would be my biggest concern with kind of going that fixed income, whether it's muni bonds or any kind of fixed income. You and I have had this discussion over time, which is you reach a certain point in your portfolio and your goals can change from you and making sure you're going to be okay to is my family going to be okay? And is my community going to be okay? Can I impact my community, impact my family. To your point, I love these ideas of keeping growth in your portfolio for that reason. But if he's just, if he's just worried about him, your main point then is just diversification. I mean, diversification and, and thinking long and hard about inflation are your main two points. Yeah. You're not thinking big enough. That's, I think the biggest point here is that you're good with, like you said, your center you're like, I got a million bucks. I can live on 40 grand a year for the rest of my life. Or in this case, 35 grand. I'm happy with that. I could never want any more. Awesome. And I'm not saying that you should change that. I'm not saying that you should aspire to spend 150 grand a year. I'm just saying, what else could you do? You know, the Vanderbilts have billions of dollars, not because the first Vanderbilt went, yeah, I'm good at the 3.5% distribution rate. Like, I'm good. It's because they went, well, what else can we do? 
in that case, I think was a little bit more specifically around their family. It could be, though, a truly exciting time. I think it's one of the more fun planning conversations to have. If you've ever driven down the road and looked at the billboard that says Mega Millions, 285 million, and you go, boy, if I won 285 million, well, I know the feds are going to take their fair share. And then there's a cash option. I'm probably only left with like 100 million only. But then, you know, you kind of start spending it in your mind like, oh, I could go on, I could take my family and do this thing, or I could benefit this organization that I care about, or I could make sure my nieces and nephews never had to pay for college for a hundred generations or whatever. Like that's the level of thinking that you need to be thinking of if you're in the position of, hey, I'm young, I've got a boatload of money, I've made really good decisions. Just start thinking bigger. Think think 50 times that, whatever it is, and see where it goes. A thought process that makes me excited about this is uh, watching a Netflix special. Have you seen Inside Bill's Brain about Bill Gates? Yes. I'm like two-thirds of the way through the... Fr- I think there's two episodes or two... Yeah. yeah it's not I'm long. at the part where he's like shaking up the jar of crap. It's incredible. That part was a little rough to do during lunch, but... <laughs> I, I would say don't I watch did, this at lunch same time. that that was about to happen when he's like, this is poop. And he's... Yeah. That was pretty nasty. And then he like started drinking it. That was also kind of nasty. But it's incredible the work that he's doing and the the thought around, I'm okay, and I'm going to make sure everybody else is okay. Yeah. And clearly, clear, he didn't drink actual feces. No. He drank the byproduct of their water purification. Because what they were working on was how can we get toilets into these areas of Africa, as an example, where it's Huge very sanitary problems. Yeah, very difficult to get the infrastructure in place. Yeah. Super exciting. And it doesn't have to be that far. I know working with just local charitable organizations, I had a very difficult time at first because I didn't really feel like any of them connected with me. I had to go get my hands dirty first. And once I did and I got involved, first, first with the Arthritis Foundation and then with building walking uh, trails in Texarkana, and now we're back here and Cheryl and I are looking for our thing here, it's exciting to just be part of a community. And by the way, it doesn't even have to be about the money then, but the money can help them get where they need to go as well. Sometimes we look at that stuff and we think like, oh, that's too foo-foo or I don't want to leave anything for my kids. Those sons of guns, you know, they're lucky to be standing still or whatever, you know, and oh, I, I get all that. But I don't know. I think that if you, if you allow yourself to kind of think a little bit bigger it doesn't even have to be like donating money. It doesn't have to be any of that sort of stuff. I'm just saying like, yeah. what else is there? Yes. What other impact could you have? Yeah. I made that way more specific. Yeah. No, no, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I, like I'm thinking about like flying, for example, it's a hobby that I've picked up. And at a certain point, after you have a certain number of hours, then you can do like angel flights. To me, that sounds really super awesome. Selfishly, I get to fly a whole bunch more. But then, you know, you're taking kids that need care to specialists or people that need, you know, whatever to help them. And, you know, that helps people out too. That's not, that doesn't cost really hardly anything. It's not about a money investment, but it's something that I could kind of merge two things that I think are important. Love this question, Chris. Thanks for bringing that up. That's not a discussion we get to have a lot. Soapbox thing. No, it's super exciting is what it is. Nice. Good stuff. If you have a question for OG and I, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. All you got to do is press the record button. As long as your device has a recorder, you can very easily leave a question like Chris did. Uh, And not only will we also throw out to Chris, uh, because he asked an awesome question, a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt, but also every week in the basement, 
Gertrude, mom's friend Gertrude, has a contest. And mom sends out, well, now everybody's seen what they say. Have you seen mom's cookies? We have to smell them every day and we don't get them. We don't get any of, of the cookies, but you might. So not a reason to leave a message, but if you do. Yeah, it's a total reason to leave a message. A t-shirt, maybe some of those oh, just awesome cookies. All right, that's going to do it for today. Let's Thank, roll. <laughs> thanks to everybody who's uh, hung out with us today. I'm going to let Doug do most of the thank yous. And uh, OG and his team are taking clients. So if you're looking for better financial planning help in your corner in 2020, maybe OG's a fit, maybe he's not. But here's how you find out. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG. Get on the waiting list. And in uh, 2020, you'll be one of the first people that they'll talk to about how they might be able to help your situation get better. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned? So what should we have learned today? First, planning a party doesn't have to be difficult or expensive. Follow David's tips and you too can be a master party planner without breaking the budget and have some fun while you're doing it. But the big lesson... Don't mess with Joe's mom when it comes to her Hallmark movies. Sure, the plots may all be the same, but don't point that out unless you're ready to be banned from the basement party for being a downer. Her words, not mine. We all know I could never be a downer. Special thanks to David Tutera for coming to the basement. Seriously, these candles? The man's a genius! You can find more from David at his site, davidtutera.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Man, is it great movie season. Well, while you're out watching Frozen 2, uh, which, by the way, I'm going to go see tomorrow. Oh, I was going to ruin it for you. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. But while you were seeing Frozen 2, we went to see Ford versus Ferrari. But Cheryl wasn't feeling well, and it's almost a three-hour movie. So that looks like a cool movie. That is the one I really want to see. But in the interest of uh, it's not all about me, 
went and saw another movie, which also looked fantastic. To you and I both is a movie starring a lot of people who we'll talk about soon. This is called Knives Out. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? And the game is afoot because Harlan Trumbly, the great mystery writer, has passed away. He's played brilliantly by Christopher Plummer. Passes away. And he's had a knife to his throat. So he didn't pass away. He did. He was murdered. He did not pass away. Well, he did pass away. I mean, he did pass away. But it very well might have been foul play. And that's what playing the part of a Southern detective who seems a little dim-witted sometimes, Daniel Craig. And it took me the first probably 30, 40 minutes of the movie to like him without the British accent. And speaking of that, Tony Collette is, is Uh a daughter-in-law. She's Australian plays straight out American. Uh, the oldest daughter played by Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, a fantastic actor is the youngest son. Don Johnson plays Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Uh, Anna de Armas plays Marta, who is Harlan Thrombe's, uh, nurse, Chris Evans is the Captain America, the Captain America and the oldest son of Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson. Like it is just star after star after star after star in this movie. And sounds like a Hallmark movie. It kind of is. It's it takes the same deal. It takes place in Franklin, Tennessee, and it's snowing, and it looks like the two people aren't going to get together because one of them got killed. <laughs> but magically they do. <laughs> in heaven. No. Uh This movie is funny because like any good suspense mystery novel movie, whodunit movie, who did it is right in front of you. The difference with this movie is you find out a lot of information early on and then you feel like you're looking behind the scenes the entire time and you're holding your breath because you think that the truth is going to get discovered. And for a lot of reasons that I won't talk about here, you don't want the truth to get discovered. The thing that you think happened is good, but you can't help but think the movie's holding one hand behind its back with some information you don't know the entire time, like any good mystery movie would. And of course it is. And the ending is very satisfying. The comedy is hilarious. Uh, The stars are out. You're on the edge of your seat. It didn't feel like a two hour movie. It's a big fat thumbs up. It is not a big movie. It's a little movie that does what it's trying to do really well. And if you like the movie Game Night, mm-hmm. Game Night was just a little movie that was fun. You know, Jason Bateman and, and, and Cass, a lot of fun, not a big movie, just did what it did and nailed it. That's what Knives Out does. So I, I'd recommend everybody go see this movie. Okay, I'm in. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is 
Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.